the unfairest sex today there are two women two glasses of wine and a whole world of problems to navigate yes there's going to be some rage but there's also going to be a hell of a lot of laughing learning catharsis and camaraderie along the way so grab a glass of wine and join us a very warm welcome to the Unfair Sex podcast. If you jumped into this episode after listening to part one of the Hey Barbie two-parter, it's good to have you back. We hope you've topped up your beverage and are ready to pick up where we left off. Now, you don't have to have listened to part one to enjoy part two, but this episode might make a little more sense if you do. So if you're yet to listen to part one, maybe give this a pause and come back when you're done. And with that in mind, you should know the drill by now, but just in case, before we jump into part two of the Hey Barbie two-parter, we just want to let you know that we'll be doing a deep dive of the 2023 Barbie movie. So if you haven't seen the film yet and you don't want any spoilers, we recommend you pause now, immediately buy tickets to the Barbie movie, enjoy the film, then jump back on over to The Unfair Sex when you are ready. If you're ready to jump back into the world of Barbie right here, right now, let's go party. So as we know, there have been criticism of the film and, you know, there are men that have been to, uh, men and women actually, there's a, a there's been quite a few people online who um, have obviously criticised it, have been to see it. Ben Shapiro uh, <laughs> put a 40 minute rant about, I mean, come on, he's a, he's a grown man ranting for 40 minutes about a plastic doll uh i mean come on um but yeah so he 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 has said many things there's lots of people who have complained about it for a number of reasons um so the barbie movie has been criticized for being woke and anti-male uh some people have claimed that it's kind of like invoked the you know patriarchy a patriarchal treatment of of uh of ken um and that because of that it should be boycotted it's been accused of being unapologetically uh unapologetic misandry um while someone else said it was 114 minutes of spiteful bitter mean-spirited borderline unhinged hatred of men now i i think they possibly watched the wrong film (laughs) because that isn't what i took from it at all so sure ken so there's a there's a bit at the beginning that I I laughed at when Kem uh, the narrator says something like Barbie every day for Barbie is a great day uh, Ken's day is only good if Barbie looks at him and and the thing is is it, it's a joke because that's that is uh, again like the whole of Barbie Land is supposed to sort of be a flips narrative where women are in charge and men are constantly seeking the validation of women. What doesn't happen in Barbie Land though is that the Barbies are mean to Ken, the Kens. That's not what happens. The Barbies are just, uh, they're just in charge. That's all it is. The narrative has been flipped. Um, And, you know, Barbie land isn't patriarchal. Ken isn't oppressed. Um, Barbie, but and it's not until Barbie goes to the real world that she faces patriarchy. Ken sees what he could gain by bringing a patriarchal society to Barbie land. And, and that's what he does, but that's not what, what it is in Barbie land. And to say that it's a hatred of men is just madness. Like it's a hatred of the patriarchy because the patriarchy affects both men and women. It's not, and that's what this does say. Like, look at how the men, what the men become and what they feel they need to be when the patriarchy is something that's put in front of them as an option. I I completely agree. Like like, I think anyone who's peddling that narrative, either as you said, hasn't seen the movie, they left before the end of the movie, or they seem to be missing the cognitive part of their brain that allows them for rational thought. Right? Because I think if you actually watch this film all the way through, you cannot leave saying this was anti-men. And also, you know, a lot of people were saying, well, this is just a feminist utopia. It's not a feminist utopia because again, like we're, we're not we're not seeing an equal treatment of men and women in this. In this film, what we're seeing is is a mirror holding up to society where it's just the men in charge have been replaced with women in charge. 
but you really you know you correctly identified like the the men weren't kens weren't oppressed in any way alan was treated with the same respect as kens were they just you know got on with their day they were just not prioritized in the world and that's what i think made men feel uncomfortable certain people feel uncomfortable about watching this film yeah um but the one thing that like fascinated me is like you know the cellulite seemed to be like the biggest thing in in barbie land that caused the most issues think about that that's the worst thing they could think of in barbie land there was no sexual violence no one was being coerced into doing anything there was no force in any way how is that patriarchal because at the moment in the real world and or anti-men or anti-men right in the real world men lead with fear Violence and control. That's not what you saw in Barbie Land. You just didn't see Ken's being prioritised. And yes, Ken's lived for the attention of Barbie, but Barbie never encouraged that. Like, Ken's did it, and Ken's, like, competed with each other to try and gain favour and status with other Ken's. The Barbies weren't encouraging that in any way. So, like, it's just such a fascinating opinion to have and leave the theatre with that, you know, with that and, like as a criticism of this film, but I just don't see it at all. No, think- neither. And, and, and also, you know, at the end, when, when, um, when Barbie land is kind of put back to normal and not put back to normal, you know, they say we can put everything back how it was. And Barbie says, no, no, no like we don't want it, it back nothing. how it was because that wasn't right either. So, you know, Barbie, it's acknowledged that, that that power dynamic wasn't fair yep. and, and that things should be more fair um, and Barbie apologizes to Ken for that and says, you know, I'm sorry, this was this has never been right. You know, you haven't been able to just be yourselves and 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 be the people you want to be. Um yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. And I also think that it feels like people are so desperate to put a label on this, maybe so that they feel more comfortable when they criticize it. But it definitely isn't feminism, um, because feminism fights for equality, and that's not what we're seeing here. And as you said. Barbie apologises and recognises that in the film. It's not a reverse patriarchy because we're not seeing the same oppression and control that we see in actual patriarchy, but it's probably the closest thing that this is representing. It's not a matriarchy either. And again, a lot of people confuse matriarchy and patriarchy. They think that matriarchy is just patriarchy, but, you know, having women in control. And that's not true. Matriarchies are actually um, more community-focused rather than hierarchy-based, and they're often ruled by knowledge rather than power. So there are some fundamental differences with um, how those societies are formed and run. So I actually agree with the people who believe that what we're seeing in the Barbie movie is what the patriarchy fear most, which is that women understand their value without external validation from men. And not only do they not need the validation, but they also thrive in these environments. I also agree with the people who suggest that the Barbie movie is holding up a mirror to modern day society. But I think to really get this point across, what they needed to do was highlight what privilege would look like if it slapped us in the face for the first time. Because the problem with privilege is that a lot of us don't recognise that we have it. So if we're trying to do a social commentary and to get people to understand their roles within these systems, then what the Barbie movie needed to do was show Ken experiencing something that contrasted with how men are positioned in today's world for people to then see the problem that women in the real world face every day. And there's a really great moment at the end where the president of Barbie Land, played by Issa Rae, turns around to two of the Kens and says that whilst they're allowed to participate in a lower court, they're not allowed to sit as a judge on the Supreme Court. And a lot of people see, well, you know, there we go again, men are treated unfairly even in this new system. And I think they're just, they're so close to understanding the point that in the real world, this is literally what women have been given. We've been given the scraps and we've been expected to be grateful for those opportunities when in fact those opportunities have been withheld from women for most of you know recent history and we've been denied access of participating in every level of society and so even when people say like you know what women moaning about they have as many rights as men firstly we don't under patriarchal rule we don't and even when there are laws in place they tend to favor statues over women's bodies so they're not working in our favor the second thing is that what this film does so well is it really puts men in the shoes of Ken. 
And so if you can recognise and you're pissed off at how the Kens are being treated and how the patriarchy replaces individual thought within the Kens, you know, with violence and a really empty relationship with the Barbies based on control and just speaking at people rather than engaging with people. Like, if you can see the problem with that and you're angry with how the Kens are treated within the Barbie film, you're so close to understanding what Gerwig was trying to achieve here. All you now need to do is flip the narrative and go, oh, fuck, right, this is actually how women are treated in the real world. And if I'm not happy seeing a fictional version of this, why am I so complacent about a real version? Exactly. And men aren't treated, they're not treated, the Kens are not treated badly. No, you know, they're that's- literally left alone to beach all day. That's the thing. But what isn't, but what, what this doesn't do is treat women badly and denigrate them. So there's this whole, there's a thing called the femme intellectual canon, which is like the body of work that is usually enjoyed by women and femme presenting people. And what that does, the, the femme intellectual canon are films and, and books and things that don't denigrate women. And don't denigrate feminine things. And that's why right-wing men hate it, because women like it and it doesn't denigrate women. But 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 also, like like you said, they're completely missing the fucking point. It also doesn't denigrate men. It's just uh it just Barbie is a like a pro-women. It's a very humanist film, but it absolutely has girl power running through it. And I don't see there's anything wrong with with either of those things. But I think the one thing that Gerwig does particularly well is not only give Barbie, like, you know, a, a predictable but a core narrative, but she also gives Ken a really generous storyline. And I'd say probably has more character development than Barbie does. And that's really important because rather than just focusing on one or the other... What she does is introduce to the mainstream the idea that men too can both benefit from feminism but are also actively harmed by capitalist patriarchal systems. And this idea was actually first introduced by a feminist called Bell Hooks and it's illustrated really significantly by Ken under the Kendom that he decides to create. And for a lot of commentators, like this is what is setting this movie apart from the likes of Legally Blonde, uh, nine to five, Thelma and Louise, like some typically girl power films, is because this does centre the me- like the male experience as much as it centres the female one. And I've seen people criticise the film because there isn't a single male positive role model. And actually, you know, I can think of a couple of examples. The fact that the husband is trying to learn Spanish for both Gloria and Sasha. The fact that when Barbie is sat on the bench and she kind of opens her eyes after trying to find Gloria and Sasha, she looks around the park and it's just everyday people. There's some people crying, there's some people talking. I think there's a dad playing with his child at some point as well. You've got Alan, you know, Alan sided against oppression. He didn't want to be violent towards the Barbies. So there are positive role models, but I think what happened here is that they weren't key characters. And I agree with that. I don't think that we should be patting men on the back for being good people. And the fact that Ken's song, I'm Just Ken, has the lyric, all my life been so polite, but I'll sleep alone tonight. I mean, like, you can't, ah, like, being a good guy does not mean that you are entitled to sex. So I really love the fact that Gerwig didn't do the traditional romance thing between the two main characters. Because I think that's, you know, that speaks a lot to the theme. And actually, what Gerwig did instead was so much more important. What she's done is take a forgettable male doll and turn him into a reflection on the state of masculinity at the moment in time. And she points out how many young men are feeling today and what happens when they feel disempowered and have found misguided solace in the patriarchy and far-right podcasts or, you know, narratives. She's really got a finger on the pulse of what's going on here. And that's a far more important message to be getting across that we we hear you we see what's going on we empathize with that journey and this is the damage you know this is what can happen if you go down that road but also this is what can happen if you trust women and you befriend women and other men to support you on this journey right so I actually think that moment between Ken and Barbie in her bedroom where she's like I need you to find out who you are and go on that journey and I'm here to support you and I'm sorry that I took you for granted. 
that's why that was so important because it's healing between two people like slightly pissed that Ken never apologized back to her for destroying her house but the point being is that you know they were trying to show that we're stronger together rather than when we're in a state of of trying to control the other and for me that is the reason why this film is so impactful and I wouldn't be surprised if we're still talking about it in 20 years time I agree I think it's I just think it's fabulous and the way you're right all of that stuff and and actually there are things that there are bits of the film that um they tackle those issues in in a very serious way um around you know like you said Barbie speaks to Ken and what is happening um but there's also bits where I like I had a moment in the cinema where I felt quite sad because there's a bit where Ken sees all the things he can be so he's he's out in the real world and he <laughs> yeah. realizes he can be rocky and he can ride horses and he can have a job and he can do all these things and he can be more than just beach. Yeah. Uh, because Barbie has all these names, but he's just beach. Um, and the entire film was laughing. And I, I, I found myself feeling really quite sad because I was like, why the, why is everyone laughing? And I realized it's because of the absurdity of a man seeing for the first time what is possible and what he can be. Yeah, and Whereas, the, the like, extremes of what you can be as well, point right? of Barbie, <laughs> yeah. yeah, the whole point of Barbie was to show women what they can be. And, oh, and this is yeah. Ken finding out for the first time what, what he can, can be. be. And everyone was laughing and was like, because like you said, they do, they go for extremes. But again, yeah. I think the reason they tried to make it funny was because of that absurdity to kind yeah. of make people go, this is crazy. Um, and And, you know, like, People found that funny because of how absurd it is. Yeah. But then the same. But then there are people that get up on their high horse because a mermaid has been no made. No pun intended. Black is being played by a black person. Yeah, because a, a mermaid has been played by a black person, and the, there's little black girls who are like, "Oh my god, I'm being represented," and people are like, "Oh, it's so woke that they're being played by a black person." It's like, no, this is representation, and yeah. it's the same thing here, like showing what what a man can be, but no mm. one sees like all of those people that are complaining about it, and again, are not seeing the fucking point. No, they're just also, missing the point entirely. I think that's a really good observation, and I certainly found myself laughing at things, but then also having that feeling of sadness, and I think that they try to use humour in this film probably to cut through some of the awkwardness but the fact that you know one of the laugh out loud moments was when all the kens were on the beach serenading the barbies and like four hours later pops up on the screen and the reason it's so funny is because there's a lot of women who've experienced dates exactly like that and i think that we are encouraged as women to take an active interest in our partners and that's not always reciprocated the other way so what we were seeing on screen was the men singing at the Barbies or the men mansplaining the movie without actually either picking a movie that they both wanted to watch together or allowing the Barbie to watch it and come up with her own conclusions of it. And so I think that what we were seeing on screen was really bad advice that the Kens had been given. And rather than give them what they want, which is validation and purpose, they're just going to get really empty relationships. And as we saw in the film, you know, when they don't win the girl, the next step is to start a fight with the men, which is exactly what we see in the real world. So yeah, I absolutely have moments of sadness, but I also really enjoyed the fact that Gerwig brought in, you know, these really iconic masculine role models. You know, you had Rocky in there, the Godfather, that horrendous fur coat. Horses, cowboys, um, serenading women with the, with the guitar, beer fridges, you know, all this stuff. It was just so spot on. And part of me thinks that Gerwig was aware that women were going to bring their partners along. So maybe she just wanted to throw something in there that she knew they would enjoy as well. It's um, it's interesting what you say about... Um, so one, uh, you mentioned how there's lots of films and songs and things that we have to kind of go along with and watch and and listen to men about uh, but also that 40 percent of the viewers of the film in the first weekend were male yeah. and i'm wondering whether <clears throat> barbie is one of the first films to kind of bring men and women together when it's a, a, a what would be suggested would be like a women's film because like usually when it comes to you know chick flicks it's mostly women that are going to go and those films are seen as things that are you know, only suitable for women. And and we have to kind of, uh, it's a guilty pleasure and it's something that we're not supposed to really like. Um, and I think, 
I'm sure there would there there could be people that would listen to this podcast and go, of course, women are talking about Barbie. It's so it's so stereotypical because you know girls are going to talk about pink and Barbies. Um, and but yeah, I'm just wondering whether this is the first time kind of brought men and women together, which is also such an incredible thing. Yeah. Um, but I also think it kind of highlights the way girls and women are supposed to kind of grow up and not play with toys, not wear pink, not be allowed to be children anymore. Whereas like men have been, are allowed to, you know, play, play computer games and watch superhero films and kind of continue holding on to their childhoods while women don't get to do that. Yeah. It's like, we have to kind of grow up and relinquish pink and stop enjoying girly things. And we don't get to hold on to anything childish and, you know, anything girly has to kind of, be something we we do in secret um yeah <clears throat> yeah I don't, I don't disagree with you one thing i found uh quite interesting and um i think that there is a little bit of an allowance like boys will be boys and like boys are allowed to be a little bit more immature and like take their time and trying to uh you know find their feet and find that maturity and i think women are encouraged much earlier to kind of like put the toys away we now need you to like you know start taking responsibility we need you to like start caring for people start caring for things um but i also think there's a lot of pressure on men to be i'm going to use i'm not going to say protector because i think protector is bullshit and we've spoken about that before in this podcast but certainly the provider still and there's still this assumption that they're going to pick up the tab and they're going to pay for the engagement ring and that they're going to be the the household provider and i know that things are slowly changing with that but for mm. me there's still an expectation and one of the problems we've got is that like under a system where that's still that focus on men to to be the provider when we're in a world where saying to men you don't have to do that anymore like women are sorted out you know we're, we're making our own money i do genuinely think that like there's a lot of men who now don't know what to do with themselves and don't know what their role is within society because they haven't been given an alternative right like they're a ken they haven't been told what else they can do for a lot of men they are and ken to their family and I think that actually that's, a, again, another thing that the film addressed really well. And somebody, um, a woman called um, Akin Ola, wrote for The Guardian, said, much like Ken's entire life and identity revolves around Barbie, most men's lives revolve around capitalism and providing value for wealthier men, an unequal exchange that often masquerades as hustle culture, entrepreneurship or career climbing. Capitalism replaced communities with nuclear families, demanding that individual men became the main source of resource acquisition for their loved ones. This identity as a breadwinner is burdensome especially in a zero-sum system in which one person's employment often means another person's unemployment, in the same way that there can only be one Ken for every Barbie. This is not to say that people who aren't men are having a blast under a system, but girls and women have long theorised and built vehicles for their emancipation from the system, while men have only recently begun to wake up to the reality that a more just world would be good for them too. So a lot of them like, this is Minami, a lot of them like hang on to the, to the idea because it served them, right? And women have kind of accepted that we're moving away from that. Back to the quote. Uh, mm. Unfortunately, a lot of men are being organized in the opposite direction. So the rise of the manosphere, a network of misogynist communities with digital platforms like blogs, podcasts, and forums is a real threat to the liberation of men from their plight. Incels and male supremacists use men's very real struggles to fuel hatred towards women while ignoring the systemic roots of their own pain. They demonize and attack the Barbies in their life, evading the reality that Barbie land was maintained externally by the men of Mattel. Manosphere spaces serve as a path towards right-wing extreme, uh, extremism for young men. What starts as resentment towards a crush can quickly become active harassment, violence, and even mass violence, which is what we saw, now back to me, this is what we saw in Ken, when he basically, because he was slighted by Barbie, he suddenly felt the need to try and do more, be more, be more violent, you know, take over things to prove that he had his place, to prove that he had all this power. And so, yes, I agree with you that like women are told to grow up faster, but I do think boys and men, boys and men, men and boys, have a certain responsibility put on their shoulders that they haven't had time to figure out, which is why I think I'm just Ken's song. Yeah. And that moment with Barbie is so powerful because I think it humanizes men. And I think it talks to a lot of people in that audience going, fuck me, that's that could be me, right? And that's that could be how I've been dealing with these problems. And I've been looking to anger and violence to try and sort this stuff out. And I'm jealous of my girlfriend because she's not giving me the attention that I feel I'm entitled to. 
Whereas women have just been like, fuck me, we've been dealing with this shit for 50 years and we've worked out ways to kind of manage it and deal with it and kind of get on with our lives and do better. Um, so yeah, but I don't know. I kind of like, that's a little bit, but, but I think I think we're both stuck. <clears throat> we are both stuck in this, like women, women aren't allowed to be girly because that's deemed to be, you know, inferior. Oh, yep. And then men also need and um, need to grow up. And then men also have this this thing where, like, oh well, we we need to be protectors and providers. So, and now that I'm not, where do I fit in society? Yep. I mean, you fit in the same spot that women do. We just have to work <laughs> side by side. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is I I think this is one of the things that. I think we discussed it at some point, Ellie, about um, how a lot of people were kind of either admitting or publicly saying they were not going to this film because of, <laughs> yeah. you know, what what it would look like to go to the film. And like yeah. I said, I think it's always seen going to see a girly film or a pink film or what, you know, reading chiclet or what I'm wearing pink is seen as uh, it, because it's feminine and girly is seen as being worse than being a man or being masculine. Yeah. Um, and like femininity is looked down ac- upon because women are seen as inferior. So we grow up rejecting all those stereotypical girly things because we don't want to be seen as inferior. Yep. And then we fight in every way to be seen as equal and be taken seriously. And then later on we go, hang the fuck on. We do like pink. I do like glitter. You know, I'm not going to say that going to see Barbie is a guilty pleasure or that I don't enjoy, you know, reading books about love or whatever. Like, but, but also men don't get to do enjoy those things. Like there are so many amazing books written by women you know, in inverted commas, for women that are really good books that men could enjoy. And they're missing out on all of that stuff because it's it's seen as as being girly. Um, and, you know, there's whenever like girliness is, is seen as, you know, we look stupid or incapable when... You know, there was a whole there was a whole film about that legally blonde. You know, she was wearing, wore pink and had long, long hair and had a little dog. And so she was deemed to not be capable. And then she was like, Hang, no, I am capable. I just really like pink. This, and it's yeah. just this like internalized misogyny that we believe that feminine things are inherently bad. And so, like I said, we've got these two things that just don't join up together where men, yeah, men are struggling because they don't have a place in society and women don't get to be feminine and be girly because it's seen as bad. Yeah, exactly that. Like, I remember reading this thing once that said, the, you know, part of the reason why homophobia is so rife is not because men dislike the idea of male-on-male relationships. In fact, a lot of the heterosexual male culture is based on getting the validation and approval and praise from other men. So that part of the relationship is very much understood. The criticism towards gay people then is not the fact that they like men, but rather they present themselves as feminine or certainly more feminine than the heterosexual man deems acceptable. Mm. And so, and also you'd probably argue that gay people are generally more comfortable expressing themselves in ways that heterosexual men just don't think that they can. So there's probably resentment there as well. Uh, So yeah, I absolutely agree. I think there is a real issue with female culture, female-led content. I think it all falls under the same remit. And interestingly, actually, I was was listening to a call the other day. Um, I was on a walk. There was a LinkedIn chat, which was hosted by um, Anime Kozai. And towards the end, I had the opportunity to voice something that I've, I've noticed a few times, but it just kept coming up in this call. And my observation was that people felt and feel the need to justify and publicly announce if they don't intend to see the Barbie movie. And if you're using Oppenheimer, Indiana Jones, Mission Impossible, all movies which were at the theatre at the same time as as Barbie, people just didn't feel the need to announce they weren't going to see them. They just didn't go. And some people put that down to the marketing. It's like, you know, it was inescapable and people felt that they were pressured to, to go and see it. So then felt that they needed to announce one way or the other. Whereas um, Marlon Robbie actually made a really, really good point in an interview with ABC News about the fact that everyone has an associated memory of Barbie. So naturally, they have an opinion about it too. Um, But also, I personally feel that there's this need to publicly disassociate ourselves with films such as Barbie because it draws parallels to the fact that it's still considered uncool to embrace overtly feminine things or female-centric culture. And a lot of that comes down to like films and pop culture all the way through to children in the playground taking the piss that, you know, you throw like a girl. So for me, I still see 
other people downgrading women and girls who opt for a more feminine appearance or interests to either a bimbo, shallow or silly. And that's a real shame because, as you know, you rightly pointed out here, Rhiannon, like then people shy away from that and they try and suppress what they may enjoy. And that harms both men and women because, you know, there's an assumption that only women like pink, where we know throughout most of history, it was boys and men who wore pink more so than girls. It was deemed a male colour up until very recently. And even then, you've got really iconic men who chose to wear pink as a statement colour. So the likes of Elvis Presley, we've got Sugar Ray Robinson, you've got the Brooks Brothers. You know, it's quite a powerful colour in that way, in the sense that it can be either sweet and dainty, or it can also be hip and like ironic. So... It is an incredibly versatile colour, and I think that's one of the reasons why it was so magical going to the theatre and seeing everyone in pink, because they they got to choose and own what it meant to wear pink for them, and that was just so brilliant, because there was just so many interpretations of that. Um, and yet, you know, I, I go to I go to work and there are there are women that I work alongside who wouldn't dare wear a colour or a print in the office out of fear of being deemed unprofessional. And more than that, you know, you can find people having real opinions against female artists for no real reason. So Britney Spears is an example. Taylor Swift is a really big example. And people will say that, you know, they find them annoying, but they don't know why. And, you know, will then start throwing really empty insults at them, the fact that they've got no talent or they're, you know, just dumb artists. Who's incredibly talented, writes all her songs. Exactly that. I mean, Taylor Swift, as an example, is currently bringing in 13 million US dollars a night on her tour. It's not a small amount of money. And then if you're not disassociating yourself with female pop culture, well, then you're disassociating yourself with other women using the phrase, well, I'm not like the other girls. And the only reason we use that is to suggest that there is a type of girl that we don't want to be associated with. And I've, you know, I've definitely used that. You're not like the other girls because you're masculine, right? And you're not masculine, but you know, because you drink a pint and you enjoy the sport and like all of those girls are held up as, as a positive thing. Oh, interesting. Yeah, no, those come up too. For me personally, it was, I'm not like the other girls because I'm easygoing and the others aren't. You know, I'm not high maintenance and I'm certainly not bitchy. Like, you can hang out with me and I'm just going to be like one of the boys. I mean, I loved being called one of the lads. You know, for me, that was a real badge of honour and I cringe thinking about that now. But for me, it was definitely that I was told that to be a woman was less than. And also that female culture was other. And I use the word other there because... You know, I think for a lot of certainly recent history, male culture has been considered the status quo. Being a man has been considered the status quo and anything different from that becomes other. And there's nothing wrong with male culture or enjoying male culture. Like I love ACDC as much as the next person. But what I don't enjoy is when male culture is so much the status quo that we feel an obligation to disassociate ourselves with everything that isn't it because that's such a loss but also is bland like because they don't get to do all these other things so like a boy wants to do be a ballet dancer and suddenly they're either gay or they're yeah like or or a man wants to go into fashion and it's like oh they must be gay and it's like no no like why do they why does a feminine a, a, a thing that's deemed to be feminine mean that they're not any more any, any more male or any more like why can't they enjoy these things and and like I don't I just don't understand um you know because like women's interests like fashion are derided as like being silly or unserious yep and and yeah just it's limiting men as well as women because oh, women are going well I can't do any of those things yeah because I don't want to be girly but you know even drinks like oh I don't want to have a girly cocktail yeah like, what does that mean? Oh, I, I just like sweet things. Oh, is it, do girls only like sweet things? Like, what? <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, I've been called a lesbian, and it's because I've experimented with short hair, I drink whiskey, I play hockey, and I really enjoy weightlifting. So apparently, because I enjoy things which are stereotypically male, I must have an exterior motive to be doing this stuff. I can't just simply enjoy it. I must be gay. So yeah, and I also find it hilarious that a lot of people watching the Barbie film think that all the Kens are gay as well because they are well-dressed and, you know, not beating the shit out of each other. And also, I'd add, you know, probably the fact that they have friendships with Barbies without the need of a sexual relationship. And I think for some people, that goes against everything that they've been told that masculinity stands for. I also find it really funny that, you know, a lot of criticism for this film is like, well, you know, it's just a film made by women for women. It's like, well, so fucking what? 
again, like, it just, you are denying the world such beautiful creations if you refuse to allow women to create art for other women. And also, it's such a lucrative business that it doesn't make business sense to not tap into this. For instance, Barbie has so far raked in over 1 billion American dollars. Beyonce's 2020 free tour has been such a success that she has apparently boosted inflation in Stockholm. Taylor Swift's 2020 free tour is projected to make as much as 1 billion American dollars by the end of her worldwide tour. Girl power is literally boosting the economy as we are recording this podcast. Because women want to spend their money on experiences that empower them. They want to be seen and heard in films they watch and the music they listen to. And we want culture that reflects a more inclusive and positive version of what women can be. Like, I don't think we want to spend the rest of our time being topless and speaking two lines in a film. Like, what a waste. We want to be telling our own stories and celebrating the complexities of what it means to be a woman living in 2023. And we can't do that if all the content we create has to pass the does it stroke a male ego box. Trust women that they know what they want to see and what they want to spend their money on. And again, Barbie was just so good at being unapologetically feminine and giving men and women the opportunity to dress up when they went to the theatre and bringing this whole new pink energy with them. And you know what? I'm here for it. Let's just keep that going as long as possible. Yeah, all of that. All of it. Can we also do a shout out to all the intergenerational moments that happened on screen? Because I honestly, those were probably the moments I cried the most. The first one being when Barbie is sat at the, the bus stop and she turns to look at the slightly older lady and she says, you know, you're so beautiful. And not only there was, you know, the lady's response being like, yeah, I know, um, the sass. But also it was, I, Barbie was genuinely seeing her beauty. And I think, again, when we're told that aging women sour like milk, you know, to actually have such a raw moment in the film where Barbie just sees her beauty was for me so magical. And actually it was one of the scenes that Mattel wanted to cut and for whatever reason it stayed in. And you know, I'm just so happy it did. I've also learned that the, the woman who was sat next to Margot Robbie, she was actually a fashion designer. So she created some of the costumes for the film Nine to Five and other things. Cool. Yeah, really, really cool. Um, so that was great. And I also love the fact that Barbie got to meet Ruth Handler. That was really, um, really, really sweet. And of course we got the relationship between Sasha and Gloria. And the reason I think these intergenerational relationships are really important is because a lot of what we get taught is handed down generation to generation and a lot of experiences that women have had, certainly under patriarchal systems, you know, they're often quite, they're often shared. So even if we don't talk about them, there's this unspoken knowledge that we all have. And I think sitting two women in a room together with 20 years difference, you can see that, you can see that, you know, there's a there's an understanding there without necessarily needing the words. Um, and I think that the speech that America Ferraro delivered talks to the heart of that. She speaks to the fact that all women share these similar experiences and pressures and, um, you know, double standards. So it's almost like Ferreira is giving a voice to this unspoken knowledge, right? And I, I think that's so powerful. Um, and then I suppose, you know, the last intergenerational relationship that stood out for me was obviously between Sasha and Gloria. And the reason why that meant so much to me was because it reminded me of my relationship with my mum. And seeing Gloria on screen become more and more of herself. And not just a mum. Yeah, not just a, a mum to Sasha, I think was incredibly powerful because I think too often we as children look to our parents as only in the capacity of who they are to us. So we look at our mums as our mums. We don't look at them as fully autonomous human beings who just coincidentally happen to be our mums, right? And I think what we saw in the Barbie movie was Gloria let go of the need of approval from her daughter. And she started leaning into her own interests and her own sense of adventure and what she wanted to do. You know, she started to put herself forward and to the point where Sasha turns to her in the car and says, you know, you're these three things, everything you're trying to hide that you's not. So Sasha's aware that her mum's doing this. And I think it was just so nice seeing that armor come off Gloria. And then when Gloria delivered that incredible speech, Sasha's looking at her mum and I think for the first time she has seen her mum as a person who has lived through all of this stuff and that she's seen the complexity of her mum as a human being. And for me, that is such an empowering moment to see on screen when so many women are reduced to just a role. So yeah, I really loved the Barbie movie for 
focusing on the beauty of women and the individuality of women and all these little nuances that we have that make us so you know so brilliant to begin with so yeah I really really loved this film and I thought it was incredibly clever and really beautiful in how it did what it did yeah I I mean I think you've probably all got the picture that we all we both truly love the film and um, if you've not seen it please go and see it it's just like it is beautiful and it's sad and it's funny and yeah it's and I you know I, I bloody love anything that gets um gets the right in a bit of a tiz like yeah. <laughs> I really enjoy so that. Many anything people... that yeah so many people went to see it because yeah, of their reviews which I just love yeah um you know and the conservatives and you know republicans and stuff have a long record of being offended by things uh by by women like barbie who are powerful and can do anything and i don't know have 40 pets i don't know what else uh, apparently she's also had had uh i think it's a million different outfits and uh and the aspirations that she represents um that's a threatening woman to a, a republican so um so that's probably why they don't like her I mean, yeah, but, you know, let's not forget she's also not a woman. She is very much a plastic doll. <laughs> uh, so the fact these guys are getting their knickers in a twist over something that is entirely fictional. And again, I think it's because it's it's what it represents, right? It's the idea. And, you know, if, if women suddenly have all the power, then, well, what does that mean for men? And again, I just don't think that some men really understand what equality is. All they can see is the reverse. They see women in power treating men as men have treated women over the past millennia. And actually what I think is really interesting about this film is that it, it just doesn't do that. It really it equalises the experiences of men and women. And one really prime example of that is when Mattel started to sell Ken's Mojo Dojo Casa house. What they're actually showing on screen is that they're prepared to sell men's pain in the same way they're prepared to sell a depressed Barbie who, you know, has this brilliant moment on screen where... She's eating ice cream, sitting in bed and watching Pride and Prejudice. But it goes to the heart of this that, you know, capitalism doesn't give a shit about your pain. It doesn't give a shit about if you're lonely or unsatisfied and unfulfilled. What it cares about is how it can make money out of you. And in the film, Mattel was prepared to make money out of both Ken's pain and Barbie's. So no one is winning in these systems. Um, you know, and another point to raise... It's an ongoing debate in the feminist sphere is, you know, is it anti-feminist to want to be a mum? And of course, the answer is no. But when it comes to Barbie and what Barbie represents, people need Barbie to represent everything. And so Barbie is criticised for being anti-baby, anti-mum because she's independent, obviously not pregnant, not married, all of those things. But also, and what it's alluded to in the film, is... Barbie's also expected to be extraordinary. So even stereotypical Barbie, she's extraordinary in the fact that she has her looks and she has her outfits and, you know, owns a house, etc. So she has an extraordinary life um, and beauty, whereas all the others have these extraordinary careers. And it was Gloria's character who turned around and said, well, can we just have an ordinary Barbie? She can be a mum, she can be a housewife, she can just be somebody trying to get through the day. So again, for me, this is Mattel going, we recognise that we may have set an unobtainable standard for a lot of women who feel that they have to be extraordinary at every turn and they have to be independent and fiercely independent and not need a man and all that stuff. Um, but also, I think, you know, when Will Ferrell looks to, I'm going to assume like a head of product and goes, oh, no, we can't possibly bring this, this doll out, so it's not going to make us any money. And then when the head of product goes, oh, no, it's fine off the shelf, it's going to make us loads of money. And then all of a sudden, Will Ferrell's like, yep, yeah, cool, we're on board, let's do this. I think it shows that Mattel, as you know, as as a company in a capitalist society, is prepared to make money out of anything. But also, I think that it, this is Mattel doing self criticism, saying like, "Yep, yeah, we've heard we've heard the reviews, we've heard the critics. You know, so let's try and do better by our audience." Uh, there's also Weird Barbies uh, has been created as well. Fucking love Weird Barbie. Yeah, Weird Barbie was fabulous. So so good. But like again, so people who haven't seen the film. I, I read something where someone was uh, on Instagram saying, oh, you know, it's such a terrible film and they it portrays women horribly and it's anti-men and the, all the Kens have low T, so low testosterone. <laughs> oh, and they and they um, have an ugly Barbie that they never come back to. And how awful is that that they're calling someone ugly? And it's like, no, no, you haven't watched this film. Yeah. Weird Barbie is one of the pivotal characters of this yeah. film. 
And also, I think it raises a really valid point that we don't like otherness, right? And I think that's what Weird Barbie was showing in that film. Like, yeah, they took the piss out of her and yeah, they called her names to her face and also behind her back. Um, but I think that was that was the point. We dis As a culture, we dismiss otherness. We, we push people like that out of our lives. And so I think it was, again, a social commentary about what we do in the real world. Um, also, I'm pretty sure they, they apologised to Weird Barbie at least twice in the film. And I know that doesn't make up for past behaviour, but it certainly acknowledges that there was wrongdoing there to begin with. On the point of low testosterone, I've always found that really weird in the fact that, like, liking women or standing by women somehow makes you gay or less masculine. Like, what? <laughs> like, the, what? That doesn't make any sense. It literally makes no sense at all. So yeah, I agree with you. If you are one of these people who's leaving the movie, believing it was anti-men or it was just showing men with having low testosterone or it was bullying women, I just, I think it shows their uncomfortableness with femininity. I think it shows their uncomfortableness with, with men being put into women's shadows. And I find it ironic that they can see bullying behaviour in the Barbie movie, but they can't see bullying behaviour in the real world. And all of a sudden, these same people really care about women's rights and like how women are being treated on the screen. It's like, fuck off. Like, where they've been treated poorly on the fucking Hollywood screen for decades and no one has said an absolute peep. So... Yeah, this just feels like critics showing their true colours. And actually, it's kind of okay because, you know, whether they want to admit it or not, that's exactly what Gerbert wanted from this film. She wanted people to be asking questions. She wanted people to be starting conversations. And I think she's going to be happy whether those conversations are negative or positive. I think she just wanted to start a dialogue. Um, so, yeah, those calling for a Barbie too, like... I just don't think it's necessary. I think this film did everything that it intended to do. God, I hope not. I really hope not. It was beyond perfect. It is, right? I, I just think it needs to take its seat in the Hall of Fame and just allow us time to mull in its pink wisdom and be grateful that it went out of its way to humanise both men and women and their experiences. And, you know, I think deliver Ken certainly in a relatable in a relatable way and prove that even if you fall down this rabbit hole you're not a lost cause and even though barbie storyline was considered you know predictable and all that i think that it did a really great job at contrasting so when barbie initially was you know went to visit weird barbie about her cellulite she was given a fake choice right between those two shoes yeah whereas at the end when she's walking with ruth handler and she is watching all the, the experiences go by. And again, I, I do kind of agree with the critics who say like there should have been some more negative um, memories within that collection. But the fact that Barbie had actually already been to the real world and experienced firsthand what the patriarchy meant for her as a woman living within that system, I think that at the end she got a real choice. And maybe that's metaphorical to the fact that a lot of women and men hold themselves back because they don't feel like they have a real choice or they mm. feel that what they're presented are fake choices, right? You'll end up choosing the one that society tells you to choose. So yeah, I, I I think it was beautiful for so many reasons. And I genuinely think this is going to go down as a classic and give us 20 years, we're still going to be talking about it. I I couldn't agree more. I, I, I don't think I can gush enough about it. I just think it's so good. And I, yeah, I will be going to the cinema again to see it. I have never been to the cinema twice to see a film. Um, and this one I absolutely will be and I'm just telling everyone to go to it and I'm just and not just not just to go to it I'm just desperate to talk to everyone about what they think about it and hear all the different views and yeah it's great like I'm enjoying hearing non-white straight white female views I'm enjoying hearing you know views from men from queer people from black people from like it's great hearing all of the different crit critiques and criticisms and but also people recognizing that actually this is you know, is just a film, and it it wasn't it wasn't setting out to be you know a a complete you know as you say fix all things. But actually, it's opened up so many conversations, and it's probably fixing more than it ever planned because of the conversations it's had. I mean, Ellie, I've got no idea how you're going to edit this this podcast because we're at two and a half hours now. Um, and I, I think everything has been gold. So I don't know how you're going to do it, but that's the point, isn't it? It's the whole world is talking about this, you know, even to the point where, you know, it's being banned in places. It's making people talk about it. It's just been banned. Is it in the Lebanon? 
Um, uh, yes, yes, it was. QA acted to protect public ethics. Uh, Lebanon's culture minister accused the film of promoting homosexuality. I mean, one, I don't, I don't think it promotes anything. Two, I mean, so, <laughs> like again, like, so, so what? But yeah, so homosexuality and t- transsexuality because there was a a trans woman in the film as as a Barbie. Uh, that's caused huge ruckus. We couldn't possibly have a. I mean, she was, as I don't know, they didn't address it, but she, as far as I'm aware, she wasn't a trans Barbie. She was just a trans woman playing Barbie. Yeah. I just, I just don't understand how we're in 2023 and we're still having this debate. Like, gay people exist. Trans people exist. They deserve their space and representation in popular culture. That's it. That's where the conversation should end. Yeah. I will admit, though, I did leave the cinema thinking, crikey, that was not a children's film. I wasn't expecting it to be a children's film, but I did feel it was much more adult than I had, you know, anticipated that it would be. And I remember turning to my mum saying, well, I, you know, I wouldn't take my eight-year-old niece to see this. And the more I've sat on that, the more I've gone, well, why wouldn't I take my eight-year-old niece to see this? And I think the reasons are is it did feel a little political, um, for, personally for me for all the right reasons, but it, it felt a bit political. There obviously was a strong feminist narrative. And yeah, it, it did critique male behaviour. It critiqued toxic masculine behavior and yeah there were examples of sexism when barbie arrived in the real world so i think those are lessons that my niece will learn at some point so i found it interesting that i would want to prevent her from learning those lessons as early as possible and i think the reason for that is is protection right we want her to remain a child for as long as possible and to see the good in people for her as long as possible and for her not to have to think about the violence in the world or how she needs to protect herself against certain men and behaviors however part of me feels also now in reflection that you know she's being raised in the uk she is being brought up in a heteronormative patriarchal system so whilst the ideas that she's exposed to are much more subtle than, say, America Ferrara's speech in this film, it feels that if we leave it until she's just, say, 12 or in her teenage years to go and see the Barbie movie, then we've left it 12 years before what she's been told is is normal and correct is challenged. And I think the point of raising the next generation with with education and knowledge is that they can start to critique things for themselves. And so, I don't know, part of me was a bit like, why shouldn't she be learning about feminism at the age of eight? Why shouldn't she be learning to advocate for herself and seeing other women advocate for themselves on the big screen? Why shouldn't she be seeing women accept awards and been thanking themselves for the hard work they put into it rather than trying to thank every other person on the planet? You know, why aren't we celebrating women supporting women, which is exactly what the Barbie movie did? So, yeah, I kind of, I was disappointed in myself really for having that thought um so i mean barbie isn't aimed at children i don't i think just because it's about a doll it certainly isn't aimed at children i don't think it's inappropriate for children there have been some people who have said uh there was one in particular who posted a massive rant about how it shouldn't be uh a 12 film because it's it's absolutely not for children and it's only aimed at adults but you know i i agree with you ellie i i we don't question it in the same way when it is a a film that's overtly male dominated or where women are subjugated. Yeah, and I think half the problem is is that we've seen it so much that it's become commonplace. And the second thing is there's still a lot more male directors than there are female directors. So they're probably not cutting this behaviour out because for them it's again it's it's normal. So they wouldn't see an issue with keeping it in a film. And so for me, if our children are being exposed to kind of heteronormative, incredibly masculine, you know, hero-centric, female-degrading films, well then, when is the right time to sit down and have a conversation with your child that actually what you're seeing on screen isn't right? Because part of me feels that waiting until your daughter is 12 years old to tell them that they deserve the same rights as their brother or the other boys in her class, for me, that just feels way too late in the day. So, you know, when is an appropriate time to introduce something like the Barbie movie to a young girl? Probably probably be at the point boys are pig- pulling their pigtails because they want to they want to date them, you know, have a have a girlfriend and you know people are like, "Oh, they're only pulling your pigtails because they like you." No, fuck off. They don't get to be mean to you and they're f- because they like you. 
or feel the need to steal your toys if you're ignoring them or, mm. you know, smash up your stuff if you are not giving them the attention they think they're entitled to. Exactly. Like, all really good examples. And part of me just feels like it wouldn't be so great, though, if we could, like, nip that in the bud before it gets to that. So, like, absolutely, we could wait for a teachable moment. So wait for these situations to arise and sit down and be like, hey, kids, this is why we don't do this. But wouldn't it be so great if they weren't taught that behaviour to begin with? Because what we see in the Barbie film, when Ken comes back to Barbie land with the patriarchal ideals, is he starts stealing stuff from Barbie and completely ruining her house, her car, just completely wrecks it all. Because he's not been taught how to manage his emotions and deal with frustration in a way that's constructive and doesn't mean, you know, criminal violence towards a woman. And where was the bloody apology? Yeah, exactly. She, he didn't, he didn't apologise. Like, how much work is she going to have to do on her dream home now to fix it up? Has he fucked it up? Literal millions, I'd imagine. And actually, it's the one part that I would say I think Gerwig missed a trick on because I think it just, you know, we're all for empathising with men on their journeys and for men who make mistakes. But, like, there has to be accountability for your actions. I just don't think the Barbie film covered that. What I think it did is it showed Barbie apologising and taking the higher ground and Ken realising where he went wrong but then never apologising or feeling like he had to. I honestly think that's the only thing that I'm I'm critical about is that he he didn't apologize. Um all in all this film is is just great and everyone should go and watch it over and over again. Um yeah, I mean maybe maybe the message could have been more new more nuanced without losing the lighthearted fun, but actually do do we did we want an edgier film? Maybe not. And it's still done some incredible things. Absolutely. And I think the last thing that I'd like to say is I hope that Barbie's experience at the gynecologist is better than Lauren's at the beginning of this episode. Agreed. <laughs> Shall I end it? I, I think so. The Unfair Sex is not sponsored. So if you liked our show, please show your support by liking, subscribing and sharing on your, all your favourite social media platforms. We're on Twitter at The Unfair Sex. We're on Instagram and Facebook as at the unfair sex podcast and you can email us the unfair sex at gmail.com So there was there were just three little bits that I wanted to mention about because I don't feel like we can gloss over some of the really bad controversies from Mattel. So in 1992, there was a teen talk Barbie that was launched. Oh my god! They said like I think it was, I think they said five different things of ever like 200 things. One of them was we will can we ever have enough clothes? I love shopping. And another said, maths class is tough. Um, I didn't see what the other ones were, but there were a lot of issues around those, about those things. Um, there was, in 2014, there was... Before we move from here, but like, before we move from here, okay. um, I have a really quirky fact about this. Have you heard of the Barbie Liberation Organisation? No. Have you heard of the Barbie Liberation Organisation? So this is like a legit organisation and they call themselves an underground network of creative activists. And in the Christmas of 1993, the BLO claimed responsibility for switching the voice boxes on hundreds of Teen Talk Barbies and G.I. Joe dolls. Um, and then once they switched them, they basically put all these dolls back on the back on the shelves and they were sold to unsuspecting customers. And then come Christmas Day, all these kids were opening up their toys to find Barbie speaking like G.I. Joe, G.I. Joe speaking like Barbie. And as you alluded to, like having all these really sexist remarks, which obviously sounded so much worse because they were in the opposite gender's body, right? So yeah, that prank made headlines. And the whole purpose of it was to challenge the deeply ingrained gender stereotypes um, and expose the kind of insidious influence of consumerism that the dolls represented. So just thought I'd add that in there before you jump on to number two. Love it. Right? Simple but genius. <laughs> Um, in 2014, there was an, an I can be a computer engineer Barbie. But 
Uh, oh no, no, so this was in a book. It was in a book. So there was a set of Mattel books and she was a, a computer engineer except that she was shit at computers and she needed two of her male colleagues to step in after she accidentally infected her sister's laptop with malware. Apparently they then did change it down the line and she uh, they, they wrote another book to make it so that she was a good computer engineer. But yeah, that thought that was an interesting an interesting thing. Uh, in 1963, going back a bit, there was a baby Barbie. Barbie uh, blah, 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 blah. In 1963, there was a Barbie babysits uh, doll that came with a book which was titled "How to Lose Weight," which advised don't eat. And in the same book uh, included uh, there was a, another ensemble called the Slumber Party, and it came with a pink bathroom scale that was permanently set at fifty kilos. What the um, fuck? And then when uh, yeah, when Barbie, uh, when Mattel brought out a the new body types, so tall, petite, and curvy. Uh, the tall, no, the curvy one received quite a lot of attention because if it was made into a real, a real girl, uh, still would have been a size six. What? <laughs> oh my god! So yeah. Oh, Mattel. Yeah, but there were studies that showed that girls, little girls, looked at curvy Barbie and thought she was fat. Holy fuck! So there were a few other issues along the way for Barbie uh, and Mattel. Uh, I just wanted to highlight some of those. I think the um, the the maths class is tough, and the the need for boys to come and help fix the laptop after she infected it with malware was uh, my favourites. Mm-hmm. 